like macho films. They really get my tech. Well, I like arty films. I think they're so sick. Uh, what if I pick? And then I pick. All right, Bryce? Okay, Nick. Well, let's not waste time. And you... Give me a flick. Welcome yeah. home, Bryce. <laughs> Are the boys back? Oh, wait, hang on. Hey, are the boys back? Extreme technical problems to start with. What's that? Is that a, that's like a tsunami that's sound, a, is it? That's what happens when a hurricane goes off okay. in the Middle East. <laughs> in the Middle East. It sounds like a wow, you know, but that's how wow it is to be back. I'm almost certain that that is not what that sound is for. Every week, Brycey, you and I get together. It has been a little while since we've done it's this, but we are bit. returning for season two. Brother, we've launched. We're, this is the official launch of season two of Can You Give Me a Flick? We're back. We've got a brand new theme song. We do. that, And Seb has done a wonderful job Sebastian, at that. Sebastian, absolutely wonderful. And we were able to um, to do to get Amelia back on board to give us another really horny outro. It's all just coming up us. Fantastic. You know what? And I didn't listen to that a heap of times. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't go. Oh, is this the one? That's the sound of a guilty man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the name of the game here was that we wanted to come back bigger and better, and we definitely are doing that. And I suggested to you that we start the year uh, doing. I'm going to pick my favourite film that I watched in 2023, and you're going to pick your favourite film that you watched in 2023. If you're new to the concept, each and every week, I'll give you a film. The following week, you will give me a film. It's a film that we typically wouldn't like. We've got very yeah. different tastes in movies. And then... I like macho films. We'll... They really get my fucking no, tick. I heard you. I heard you. I think it's the brass right at the top of that that really sets the tone in that yeah, opener. it really does, doesn't it? Mm. Like, who are these people? <laughs> what are they about to achieve? That's right. We've got Miles Davis really kicking <laughs> things off for us. Bryce, uh, this is a film that you love from 2023. The first film we're going to look at this year is called The Killer. Yes, brother. And this came really late in the year, I believe. I went and saw this on a date. I saw it really late in the year. It would have been November. Yeah, so um, it's a Netflix film, but what? It had a, a limited cinema They release, did, did a little special event screening at, what's the name of that cinema in Surrey Hills? The Golden, something about the Golden Shower. We went. <laughs> no, it's the Golden Age. The Golden Age Cinema, and they did a little special advance screening. They played a couple of screenings over the weekend. But the thing about this, you know, film- that cinema was there in World War Two, and they used to go down there, and that's where they would play the propaganda films from uh, World War Two to really? really encourage Australians to get behind the efforts. That's- Explains how terribly uncomfortable the seats were. Yeah, it is um, awful. Yeah, yeah. Really horrendous. <laughs> but the thing that made this film interesting was it's the latest film by David Fincher, who is um, who is a, a notorious director, a, a, a guy that you and I haven't been able to do a lot with because we've all seen all of his films. Well, they're just great. Seven, the, Gone Girl, yeah, the Zodiac, Social Network. Yeah, the guy's got a bunch of flicks. The guy's got a bunch of flicks under his belt, and they're all and most of them are fairly impressive. What's you, your favorite Fincher? My favourite Finch is Seven. I really, really love Seven. What's yeah. yours? Yeah, yeah, it has to be Seven. Yeah, look, well. Although I just... thought Gone Girl was excellent. Gone Girl is excellent. And, you know, I actually benefited from... I actually read Gone Girl before I watched Gone Girl. And Fincher was... And I think I think that's the first Fincher that he's done where he adapted a novel. And he did a really marvellous job. A really good director, David Fincher. I very think that's good. what made The Killer so interesting. All of his films kind of look the same, don't they? It's a very similar colour palette, he's got a style. this film as well. Absolutely. Uh, the, the Killer, for those of you who are listening and haven't watched the film, The, the Killer is ob- obviously a 2023 uh, crime thriller, are we willing to call it? Is that what the genre is? Because I'm not willing to call it an action, bro. 
I'm just not willing to do it. Because there's not a lot of action? There's not a heap of action. No, yeah, sure. Um, after a fearful near miss, an assassin battles his employers and himself on an international manhunt he insists isn't personal. That's a really good synopsis, by the way. This film is rated at a 6.8 out of 10 on IMDb based on 163,000 ratings. On Rotten Tomatoes, they've got it at a much more generous 86% based on a critic's score and 61% based on an audience score. That's on 2,500 plus ratings. The audience says, according to Rotten Tomatoes, the killer will be a hit with Fincher fans, although others might find it a little dull or even pretentious. Now, I Uh. think that's a really interesting synopsis because I I really enjoyed this film. I, I, I thought I thought the it was absolutely riddled in Fincher. You couldn't say it was anything other than a Fincher film, which is obviously good for me, who's a fan of his. But I also really liked the way the story played out because what it basically did was it gave you a really basic premise with a really simple idea. Fassbender plays the role to a T. I think there was a really interesting piece of a tidbit of information on this one that where you actually don't witness him blink on screen. Yes. A little nugget of information. I I think that's just someone watching and thinking that he doesn't blink a lot. Actors aren't meant to blink. (laughs) You don't really trust. You know how like you don't trust someone if they blink a lot. It's the same kind of thing with the intimacy of an actor. So that's one of the, I remember, I think it was Michael Caine in, he did like an acting school in the 80s or 90s. That was one of his pieces of information right. for the young and upcoming actors. Don't blink. Stop blinking. Stop blinking. <laughs> as and as if you I see it. you blink, I'll blow off the bloody walls. <laughs> hey, you know what? I heard that joke age as well because I don't know. I don't know how long. I don't know how long he's got to go. Well, poor certainly old better Michael. than your Middle Eastern <laughs> tribal alarm, whatever that is. Uh, Michael Fassbender, who you're talking about being starring in this, of course, he was in Prometheus, Steve Jobs, yeah. uh, X Men. Shame, a movie called Shame. Very he, good film. He was a sex addict in that horny film. Guy, yeah, yeah. Really horny guy. All right. Well, what's your opinion on Michael Fassbender? I like Michael Fassbender, but I think he's got some shit in him too. I've seen enough bad stuff from him that's made me go. Oh, I mean, I don't well, know that we'd say X-Men was fantastic or Steve Jobs for that matter. About the fucking Assassin's Creed. Yeah, uh, well, absolutely. But he's a very charismatic actor. He's very, Extremely. very easy to watch on screen. Tilda Swinton's in this movie as well. She is. It was a very brief appearance from Tilda, but I think... Yeah. What, she, I, I reckon she gets five, maybe ten minutes of screen time. Her character is described as someone who looks like a Q-tip within the script. And you've got to say, <laughs> that's a pretty good read. That's not bad, actually. You know what? And I reckon that's she's probably made a career out of looking that way. What's her most iconic role, do you think? Because she has done oh, so many well-known films. Mate. She almost never stars in them. But she never disappears either. She's just always around. I remember... The first time I saw her in anything was a film that came out in the late 90s called The Beach with Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, yeah. And she's one of the, she's like the leader of the, yeah, she's like the leader of that little beach cult. Um, I always think of her in Narnia, you know, when she played The the Witch. The writer of this film also wrote Seven as well, Bryce. Is that right? The writer of The Killer. So this has been a passion project of uh, Finch's for 20 years. He said 20 years he's been trying to get this up off the ground. And then it was around COVID time. And he couldn't quite figure out what he was going to do next. He had to deal with Netflix. He had to do yeah. something else. And he yeah. decided to revisit this. But it's based on a, gra- a French graphic novel. Oh. Did you know that? No, I didn't. The plot of this movie is he is a professional assassin. Yeah. And he's waiting to kill someone. And it's about half an hour 
of the film. It goes very, very slowly. It's half an hour before there's any direct dialogue between him yeah. and anyone else. Yeah. It's all internal monologue. There's a couple of phone conversations in there. Anyway, the client who he's trying to kill uh, comes up to the hotel room. Finally, half an hour in, he takes the shot. He accidentally hits a dominatrix who's in the hotel room instead of the person who he's trying to kill. Yeah, he fucks up. So yeah. now he has to go on the run. It's the first time that he's ever fucked up. So he... Uh, apologizes to uh, to his boss. He goes on the run. He flees the country. He goes to the Dominican Republic where he lives. He goes back to his house and he finds that his partner has been attacked. Very and brutally beaten. Interrogated yeah. and tortured and whatever else. And so the rest of the plot now becomes uh, him trying to exact revenge. He has this, this mantra that he lives by. And it's fight only the battle you're paid to fight. But at this yeah. point, he abandons that. And he now goes about trying to find out who these two people were that broke into the house and killing each of them along with the person who employs him, who uh, set them on the trail to hunt. Yeah, him in the first Fast place. Fast yeah. right? So it's a very simple plot simple, to understand. Very simple. There's no... Uh, B plot, there's no C plot. It's really just you're following Fastbender for... Two hours. The love of this movie comes from the character study. It comes from the pacing. It comes from the little intricate moments. One of my favorite moments comes early in the film where you're learning about who he is. And you don't know much about this guy. I mean, you don't even know his fucking name. He's referred to as the killer. Yeah. Um, and he eats, he goes to McDonald's and he buys a, he buys like a McMuffin, mm. like an egg McMuffin mm. and he takes off the bread. So he just gets the protein. Yeah. And I was just like, well, obviously if you look as good as he does and you can see he's just muscly and there's not an ounce of body fat on yeah. him. That yeah. was, that's like a little tidbit to let you know that this man is disciplined. You know what I mean? But for a professional assassin, you're right. I think the intrigue in this film comes from the fact that you get to see inside his mind and unlike, uh, like a, an American psycho, He's not particularly disturbed. He's just no. a professional. He's waiting to kill this person in the room when he kills the dominatrix. And the first half hour of the film is him just being bored out of his brain yeah. and trying to to stay active. Yeah. So he's doing yoga. Stimulating himself. Yeah. And, and, well, oh. He's doing <laughs> yoga and he's eating and he's How just trying to be? get little naps. How good would it be if they just... <laughs> Just during this montage, he just starts fucking having a wank. <laughs> he just fucking, oh, right, fucking hell. Let me play the Smiths and let me have a wank. <laughs> it is, it's wonderful. I need Morrissey to get there. <laughs> this is the thing. Great soundtrack, he, he you're right. obsessed with the Smiths. Love it's the very, Smiths. you know, this scene from 500 Days of Summer, which is what I think of every time I think of the Smiths now. I love the Smiths. Yeah. Sorry. I said I love the Smiths. That film is obsessed with the Smiths. Yes, it this is. This film is obsessed with the Smiths. Ironically, I watched this film with my now girlfriend, Alex. This was, uh, this was our third date at the time. Mm. Um, and her favourite band is the Smiths. It's a fucking Smithsonian open here. Well, what does that say about you as a serial killer potential? <laughs> exactly. I, they, they find me. They had this great... Soundtrack. They had a lot of really well-known '80s musicians 80s lined music. up, and they kept dropping off one by what do you one. And that was, uh, I don't know. Maybe it's something to do with. I think Brad Pitt initially was uh, destined. Well, they approached him for this role, the role of Michael Fassbender. Oh, he, he would said, have been good too. He said it's too nihilistic. I, I, I don't really want to do it. I don't want to be seen with it. So maybe that's something to do with musician. I, I, yeah, I don't know. But anyway, musician by musician, they kept dropping out. They kept replacing that song with the Smiths. And Fincher said, 
essentially we want to create a soundtrack because it's it's like he's listening to the Smiths. It's yeah. not. It's sort of within his world that the Smiths is playing. Yeah. So there's a scene where he's uh, going to shoot the the client, and he's got one headphone in and mm. he's listening to the Smiths. Mm. And if you're watching the film and you do the same thing, you've only got, or you've got both headphones on, you're only going to hear the sound out of that one headphone. Yes. They're putting you within the world of the character. And I think they just wanted to build the idea that this is, he's very OCD. He's very, everything's very ordered. Uh, he doesn't have a huge collection of music. It's not this and this and this and this. It's the one thing, you know, mm. he's a one thing guy. Yeah. And so I think that was the thinking behind the soundtrack, along with the fact that no one else wanted to do it. No, well, I, I mean, it's an, it's an interesting thing, but it ended up working quite well. I, I found myself every time a song played, I felt like I needed to pay attention to it. You know what I mean? Because mm. it felt essential, even though maybe it wasn't. Maybe this was just like, it's like, you know, you, you, when you meet a mysterious person and you don't know much about them other than little tidbits, you know what I mean? And maybe that was just our little tidbit was that he, you know, this guy who was pretty emotionless. We don't really know. You don't really learn anything else about him throughout the film other than the fact that he looks after his body and he likes music. You know what I mean? And that's just maybe that's our connection to him. Maybe that's what we're supposed to learn about him. Maybe that's all they, when we need to learn about him. Yeah, uh, yeah, I do agree with that. The other thing that's interesting about this movie is the amount of, there's a lot of product placement. As you say, there's the scene from McDonald's, yeah. and there's Hertz Cars, then there's yes. Amazon, everything has yes. Starbucks at some point. Yes. There's a lot I of product placement. That. What do you reckon that's about? Well, I reckon that was probably how they were getting their cash. There was a funding. I reckon there was probably funding going on. Oh, I'd imagine so. Mm. Well, I mean, there's product placement in every fucking movie, isn't there? Just a lot of. There's a lot, but was fairly common. I wonder. Yeah, the, Finch is a funny guy in that regard too. Like he might have had something. There might have been some commentary taking place there. It's very hard to know. I mean, because um, when you think about the way that this film's plotted out, it's 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 in chapters. Mm. I think it's five distinct chapters, and mm. each chapter focuses on. Um, a person that he's targeting yeah. at that time, and it's and it, and all the scenes are paced very differently. Like in terms of each scene, almost plays out like a different genre, you know. And then one of them's a full blown fucking action sequence where he's fighting a bloke and he's dogging it, and it's one it's a wonderful scene. That that fight wonderful scene is fantastic. Scene. Fincher is very well known for locked off shots, so yeah. shots where the camera doesn't move. There's yeah. a lot of camera movement within that scene. It's quite jarring when you watch the film because it's different to anything yes. else. Uh, and you can see how that would work within the world of the graphic novel, especially yeah, in that scene there. Yeah. Um, but that was all done in post. That wasn't the camera on the day. That wasn't cinematography. That wasn't uh, that wasn't Fincher. That was all sort of a lot of that camera movement. Almost all of that camera movement was done in post, apparently, which is interesting. So I think he's paying homage to that original concept uh, yeah, of the yeah, graphic yeah, yeah. novel. Okay. I, I've got a few problems with the film. One of them okay. is the pacing. I, I mm -hmm. think it's... I like how simple the story is, but without anything to cut away to in any other, you know, subplots, it's just, it, it, it's kind of almost like a meditative pace until there are moments like that. Yeah. For me, I, it lost me maybe halfway through, two thirds of the way through. I just started to, I was just a bit bored with the concept and I'm, I was trying to figure out what that was. And I think that's to do with the pacing. It's quite slow. Quite yeah, meditative. it's slow. It is slow. But I also think it's, there's a lack of tension within the story. I think the best parts of the film are when we sort of feel like he's 
against the wall, he's in trouble. But so much of this story is him pursuing the killers. There's no one really coming for him. So in that fight scene, for the first time really in this film... There's uh, stakes. There's stakes. Yeah. It really stands out. It's very, very exciting. And then after that, because that's maybe halfway through, after that we kind of go back to that's this... That's the Swinton scene after that, I think. Melodic, yeah, 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 that yeah. comes later. And that's okay because even that scene, even though we don't have the... Uh, big action uh, fight sequence, mm. there's a lot of conflict. There's a lot of drama within that. He sits down. He's going to kill her. She yeah. knows that. But we're wondering what she's going to do. She's an assassin as well. Yeah. They sit down in the middle of a popular restaurant, yeah. a really... Where, where she's very well known and, and clearly has a reputation. Yeah. So you have that suspense and you have that tension. That scene's gripping. I loved it's that everything scene. that leads up to that moment that is a bit dull and boring and lost me because there aren't really any stakes. He's on the pursuit. No one's after him. Yeah. Uh, And so I think that's where this film struggles and struggles. And there's a lot to love about this film, but seeing it as a 6.8, I think for me, that is one of the significant reasons that it has lost a bit of audience love. Right. Okay. Because you don't have the back and forth as much, you just have him on the journey. Yeah. yeah it's very, like, I'd be surprised if there was really a moment that went by where he wasn't on camera. Absolutely. It's his film. Throughout know. the whole film. Yeah. Of course. Um, it is an interesting scene. There's a, and this is, this just goes for 30 seconds, but they're sitting there and he's about to kill Tilda Swinton. She orders a flight of whiskeys, <laughs> which is just very classy. It's yeah. a long scene. They go back and forth, and at one point she tells him this joke, and this is the setup to the joke. A hunter goes into the woods and he sees this grizzly, biggest he's ever seen. He raises his rifle and he fires. The bear falls. The hunter rushes forward, and to his surprise, there's nothing there. There's no bear, there's no broken twigs, there's no blood. And then suddenly, the grizzly throws this massive arm around his shoulders and explains, you took your shot. You missed. So, either I feast or, and the choice is yours, I sodomize you. And it goes on. And there's a punchline. And it's very well delivered. It's very well delivered. And it's a classy joke. It's a good joke. And it works within the scene. Yeah. There was something in me going, how do I I recognize this joke? This is a Netflix film. Yeah. Cast my mind back to a Netflix series called The Crown. There's a scene with Charles and Camilla. They're at a party, and this is the joke that they both tell. A bear hunter goes deep into the Siberian woods. Suddenly, he sees an enormous bear. The hunter raises his gun, and bang, he shoots. The bear disappears from view. Got him, he thinks. But then he feels a tap on the shoulder. He looks up to see the bear, who says, No one takes a shot at me and gets away with it. You have a choice. Either I can tear you to pieces and devour you now, or... Or you can drop your trousers, bend over and let me have my way with you. <laughs> Which is a bit of a classier way than saying sodomise you. You know what's interesting? Netflix has a thing with jokes, don't they? Because you've got to remember they've got that investment in stand-up too. Yeah. I watched a film, also in 2023, also not a bad film, got a bad rap critics-wise for some reason, uh, called Reptile. Do you ever hear about that film? No. Benicia Del Toro, Alicia Silverstone, okay. and Justin Timberlake. And yeah, <laughs> Brilliant. Bizarre, trifecta. bizarre cast. But Benicia Del Toro tells a joke early in the film. And the joke is, I've told it to you, but I'll tell it now. 
um, is uh, Jesse James gets onto Robert Train. And he gets onto the train and he goes, Righto, <clears throat> this is the Jesse James gang here. And we're here to do one thing and one thing only. We're going to rob all the women and fuck all the men. And then everyone goes silent and quiet and go, what the hell? And then one of Jesse James's guys goes up and whispers to Jesse James. He goes, Jesse, um, I, th I, think you, I think you mean it the other way around. And then a gay bloke at the back of the train stands up and goes, now don't you tell Mr. Jesse James how to do his job. It's a great joke. It's very funny. But that's a Netflix thing, bro. They fucking love jokes. That is interesting that it is the same But joke. if they got one joke division and they're running dry, just use that one again. What have we got in the tank? If it's use for the bare Netflix, one. you'd think there'd be like a supervisor there that was able to go, hey, you know the Crown actually yes. did that one as well. It's not even like a quick joke. It's no, like it's, it's a like long, it's a long joke. That is a, maybe a, a half, a third of the joke. It's a long joke. Right. Yeah, it's yeah, a yeah. three-minute joke. It's a good joke, though. It's a good joke and a good setup, and I think it works in the context of the film and of the scene and of the story. Um, I, I think it also tells you a bit about Tilda Swinton's character, who who is basically um, having a bit of a laugh before she accepts her demise. And I mean, obviously. Um, he doesn't know whether she's accepting it or not until he kills her and sees a switchblade in her hand because she was ready to fucking do the same to him, mm. which is probably a bit of a narrative on the story as well. You know, it's, it's, it's like a reminder to him of this is why I'm doing this because if I don't do this, who knows who's holding a switchblade and who's not. Also brings us to an interesting narrative about the ending, which has been a very controversial topic about this film. Yeah, go on. Well, the end of this film is, I mean... It's one thing I remember, because I always look for criticism in a film. I'm like, well, if, if, if I liked something and someone else didn't, what was their thing? And the thing that I noticed that got brought up about this film a lot, particularly in comment sections and, and reviews and whatever else, is that the ending was anticlimactic. Because effectively, he goes on this journey, and then he finally reaches the top dog at the end of the film, and he ends up in the apartment, and he's face-to-face -face with this guy, and he you know, breaks through into his security system, and whatever, ends up in his house. And basically just gives him a warning. He doesn't kill him. Doesn't He's kill him. killed everyone else along the way and he doesn't and, kill the guy. And you go, what? What? Hang on. What? But then if you think about that and if you take a moment to, well, who's going to get the message if he does? Oh, of course. Which You're just I killing quite liked when I thought, the more I thought about it, I went, I actually quite liked that. I mean, the obvious thing would have been for him to shoot him in the fucking head. And at this point, there have been a lot of characters who have begged for mercy and we feel quite a bit of empathy and yeah. sympathy for them yeah. and he'll kill them regardless. Yeah. And so we assume that that's going to happen. It doesn't happen. No, he very much says, let everyone know this is it. Or is it a guarantee? This is it. I don't want to fucking see you ever again. I don't yeah. want to hear from you ever again. So maybe there's a commentary in that moment. There's a lot of... A lot of talk about him questioning himself throughout this movie. I don't see a lot of that, but yeah. maybe that final scene is an indicator that... What did you think of the ending? Did you like the ending? I thought the ending was fine. I don't feel like it built to this huge crescendo. I think that he had to kill everyone along the way to get to uh, the final killing. It just felt the so final... intentional. Like, ah, absolutely. Because the scene that leads up to him... Going to kill is he's walking up this walkway mm -hmm. and he's he's replaying the moments in his head as he's going. Yeah. So it's almost like flashbacks. He's, he's reflecting on the journey before yes. he reaches the final destination. And then he basically gets to the final destination, puts his finger in the air and goes, don't do that again. Yeah. <laughs> and you go, oh, uh, 
Okay. <laughs> and then he takes off. He goes back to his home in the Dominican Republic. He sits down with his girlfriend and they continue living their lives. He may be safe. He may not be safe. We'll never really fucking know. It sets it up, obviously, for a sequel. And I imagine within the graphic novel as well, not knowing the graphic novel, a graphic novel is essentially a series, isn't it? You will yeah. open it up to more storylines. Yeah. So you don't... I'd be happy if it ended there, to be honest. I, I quite like the ambiguity. I quite like the... I like that he just left it alone. I, 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 don't, I don't think a sequel's necessary with this story. I don't think so either. No. Unless McDonald's and Hertz and Amazon <laughs> dish up a whole bunch more money. Hey, we got cash to splash. They certainly yeah, do. And, we're ready, and we want to do it on the fast bender. Bend <laughs> <Then> this. <laughs> Brycey, I think this is ah. a very good film. Yeah, great. It's great. lovely. It's well made. Fast Bender is excellent. The uh, script is intriguing and it it fights against things that you think would be typical within the genre. You know, you don't often see a professional assassin doing yoga and uh, then fucking things up and having to correct them. He's very intelligent, but also it's like a really interesting expose on the life of someone like this. It yeah. feels quite legitimate, you know, it for does. what it is. It absolutely does. I agree with you on that. Um, I think the pro- there are problems with the pacing. It, it just feels too long for such a simple storyline, but the length of it does give you time to learn more about the character and that kind of helps you fall in love with it as well. So it's a, it's a bit of give and take there, but uh, I don't think it's great. I think it deserves more than a 6.8. I think it's yeah. maybe a, a 7.5. Uh, out of 10, it's it's a well-made film, and I'd watch it again. Yeah. I'm going to call that my first success of the year, and if I t- if, 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 if we wind back to season one, I also got a win on, on recommendation one that year as well. So I'm, on a, I'm off to a good start. You're kicking it off. Well, we were talking about favourite films yes. of 2023. Yes, we wanted to start the year with our favourite films of the year. We've touched on this briefly before, but I felt like it was a pretty poor year of films. It was, it was quite ordinary. And when you think that 2023 had that massive writer's strike yeah. for, what was it? Three, four, five Three, months. four, five months. I don't know that next year or the following year are going to be too much better. No. There's, there's going to be a real gap. I think so too. 2023 was the year of Oppenheimer and Barbie and a lot of people saying, you know, cinema's the back. cinema's back. The cinema experience has returned and, and that obviously did great things. And both of those movies are very good, but... Overall, it was a little bit hard for me to sit down and really figure out what I loved from last year. Yeah. Having said that, there's a film that I watched that was very touching. And it's a it's an Asian film. It's a Korean film. It's called Past Lives. Yeah. And it's touching because I think it's beautiful and it's a really interesting reflection of life and love and that is the film that I'm going to give you next week because I would love to hear your thoughts on okay. that. Well, I'm 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 happy with this. I I I don't know anything about this film. So, uh yeah, let's get into it for next week. All right. Well, welcome back. Welcome it is back great to, to you, be my here. Friend. Thank you for everyone for listening. Thank and you so much. And, and oh, fuck, we should have some money coming in at some point soon too, shouldn't we? Well, you'd think so. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't hold your breath. <laughs>